friends. Our guest today is an inspirational human being with an incredible story. She has witnessed personally two different out-of-body experiences related to life elements of extreme trauma. She is in touch with items that some may say are inaccessible while others may fully embrace. She is genuine, articulate, and exceptional. Here is my friend, Sharon Kumara. So I'm excited about this one. Oh, good. Uh, Me too. Can, can we start with out-of-body experiences? Sure. What is the impetus for that? What happened? Did something happen that allowed you to, to do that? Well, I do it consciously. So I, I, um, we all do it all the time anyway. It's just a matter of, of being aware of it and taking your memory and your consciousness with you. So after my father, my stepfather passed away in 98, I started having what's called sleep paralysis attack attacks because <laughs> it feels like an attack okay. where you wake up and um, you feel paralyzed and you feel like there's a presence in the room and you don't know what's happening. And uh, you, um, I tried to scream out and you can't scream out. You can't make any noise or it feels like you aren't making any noise. This is while you're awake or while you're dreaming? It's while you're awake. Okay. But you're, what you're doing is you're coming out of... Uh, sleep, and so you're you're not your mind is awake, but your body is still asleep, and our body has some type of mechanism where it keeps us in a state of paralysis, okay. so we don't act out our dreams. So that started happening to me on a regular basis <clears throat> after my stepfather passed, and I, I thought I actually thought I was dying because I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So I happened to look on the internet. Uh, I mean, I was looking on the internet for spiritual stuff already because I wanted to know what happens to my my stepdad after he after he died. I didn't, being raised Catholic, I didn't believe that we either go to heaven or hell. <laughs> and I'm not going to say he was, and he wasn't an angel. So you know, I mean, he was. I loved him dearly. We were really close, but I had needed to know something more. So I started searching about what happens after you die, reading books on mediumship and things like that. And I came across an article on out-of-body experiences and their correlation between sleep paralysis and inducing out-of-body experiences. And in the article, it said something about you can, if you take your conscious consciousness with you, your waking consciousness with you while your body is asleep, you can contact your loved ones. You can contact your guides. You can travel around the universe, all kinds of really cool stuff. So I'm like, oh, this is what I need to do. I want to make sure dad's okay. And I started reading every book I could get my hands on on out-of-body experiences. This was around 99. And um, so I started trying to induce them consciously, and it took me about four weeks to be able to do it. And then I... Yeah, can you explain how you do it? You're just asleep, and then you talk to you're yourself. Not, well, you're not really asleep. You're uh, you're in a very deep trance state. Okay, you can do it from the sleep, like th from a lucid dream, where you wake up in the dream. Yeah, and you realize that you're dreaming, and then you can induce an out of body experience, meaning that you can travel uh, the the um, objective reality. Okay. A dream is more is more sub, is subjective, sure. Normally, whereas an out of body experience is known and thought to be more objective, where you're able to interact with the objective world, the construction, the constructive world that we've. <laughs> but you're still created. always in your mind, aren't you? So you're still you're still creating the the universe, aren't you? Because it's within you. The whole world is within us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. However, there's uh, thought is the objective world is crystallized thought, as you know, right? Yeah. So there's there's areas in the multiverse that we can um, I don't know if you call it areas, but areas of consciousness where we it's more malleable with thought than if it's more crystallized. Like here in our world, this is crystallized thought. Sure. Okay, and so we move into different realms in an out-of-body experience consciously where there's areas that are more crystallized, like um, echoes maybe of the earth plane. 
okay. where it's still crystallized thought and there's still but but it's a little but it's more malleable as the finer the, the higher dimensions we go okay so take me through say tonight you were going to lay down and do that do you have like a, a place or a world or a person you're trying to talk to or do you just let whatever happen happen well it's always good to have an intention mm-hmm. because then you as soon as as soon as you realize that you've left your body, if you don't focus, if you don't have that focus, you, you'll, you'll come right back to your, your physical body and, or enter a dream state. Okay. Okay. It's just, Most people just don't even remember their dreams. And if they do, it, they don't make any sense. You know, it's just gobbledygook or whatever to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have an intention, it helps a lot to have focus while you're there. So when I would uh, say tonight, if I want to have an, if I want to induce an out-of-body experience, <clears throat> I would um, affirm, first of all, I read whatever I can on out-of-body experiences to have it in my mind. So what we're doing is reprogramming our mind to be, take our consciousness with us in our dream state and in our sleep state because our body is asleep. Sure. Yeah. So I'd... Uh, give myself affirmations or something like that. And then I, uh, you know, I will have an out-of-body experience. I am leaving my body, that kind of thing. As I'm falling asleep, I might listen to binaural beats or hemisync. Okay. That helps a lot. You, you've heard, have you heard of the Monroe Institute in Virginia? Uh-uh. Okay. Um, Robert Monroe is the modern day pioneer on out-of-body experiences. He started, um, he's the one who developed hemisync, which is now called binaural beats when his pa- patent ran out. And you, do you know what binaural beats are? No, it, it's not, it's music. It's um, uh, tones. It, you wear headphones, and and the uh, it's not really music. It's you can embed it in music, but it creates. There's tones that's in one ear, the right ear and the left ear, and they're separate tones. And what they do is they cause your brain to bring the tones together, and they cause whole brain synchronicity. Hemisphere wow. synchronicity. Yeah, it's really cool. And how did he even figure that out? Was he just he, testing and then he had some epiphany? He was working with other people to, uh, to fig- I believe, what he was doing, because this was, he's written three books on his out-of-body experiences and his technology, uh, just trying to find how to um, expand consciousness. That type of thing. He was, okay. I think, I believe he was a radio broadcaster, okay. and um, he was also an airline pilot. And he did, or I'm um, uh, not professionally, but he flew, he flew airline or okay. air airplanes. Um, but he <laughs> he knew about sound. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know the exact history of how he did it or why he did it, but I but he was the pioneer, and he and he created a patent, and ha- the Monroe Institute was created after his work and his technology and his um, explorations out of body okay. in Virginia. And it's a um, it's a consciousness expanding type. They have lots of programs. I've been there a couple of times. Well, now so. I really want to listen to this. <laughs> um, so it's not necessary to listen to that, but if you do, it enhances or allows you to get there quicker. Well, yeah. not, and it's not just for out-of-body experiences. You can use it for um, for ADHD. You can use it for focus. Hmm. Um, if you're um, if you need to take a test, there's you know there's all kinds of of uh, music enhanced um, hemisynced enhanced music or binaural beats. You can find them on YouTube too. Hmm. Um, uh, that you can use for all types of things for spiritual um, feeling. Uh, just you know, it's kind of like hypnosis okay. when you listen to it, you know, and um, with subliminal kind of thing where you listen okay. to it that way. Binaural beats are there's some binaural beats that are meant for just certain things that you want to enhance or or overcome. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna totally look that up. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so you decide tonight that you're gonna lay down and you're going to to leave your body, and mm-hmm. so you might listen to some binaural beats and then like what what is the process do you just like you can finally kind of step into it and then you're like there it is and you grab it and you go yeah there's a couple methods uh one when you go to bed and sleep you can also uh which is called an um an indirect method 
where you um, you state your affirmations. I mean, there's all kinds of tools out there to help, and there's all kinds of uh, exercises you can use. And some people, it works better for some people. Certain uh, exercises and tools work some better for some people than others. Mm-hmm. The the method that works the best for me is I state my intentions before I go to sleep. I think about it. I know I'm going to travel. I know I have an intention and uh, what I want to do when I get there. And then I go to sleep and I sleep for between four and six hours. It's called the wake back to bed method or the sleep interruption method. And I get up between four and six and four and a half hours usually is the sweet spot for me. I get up, stay awake for between 15, 30 minutes. You have to be, you have to get out of bed and be awake. And then I think about my out-of-body experiences. I think about the exercises I'm going to do. And I go back to bed and I might listen to binaural beats again, or I just think about it. And I create some kind of movement in my mind, like jumping up and down on the bed or swinging in a swing. I just create that movement. Have you ever been just falling asleep and, you know, your leg kicks because you think mm-hmm. you're kicking a soccer ball mm-hmm. or something? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're actually in that state. Your consciousness is in that state. But the movement brought you back to your body. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's that's basically an out-of-body experience. You just didn't take your consciousness all the way with you. Okay. But how do you know to wake up in four and a half hours? This is without an alarm? Uh, no, I... I tell my body, I tell my guidance system to wake me up. Okay. So I don't have any problem with I it. I wonder if, if it is related to your REM cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, that's a pretty important part for dreaming, right? Right. Depending on when you wake up, kind of the, which part of the REM cycle you're in will determine whether or not you're tired mm-hmm. or if you'll remember your dreams or all that kind of stuff, right? It's kind right. of weird how your brain goes through those cycles. Right. Uh, for me, I never remember my dreams because I wake up to an alarm every morning. And so I just wake up and then I'm yeah. getting ready for everything. The times that I remember them the most is when I hit the snooze over and over and over and over again. So I think I'm dreaming in that early part of the morning. Definitely. Who knows what happened before. Um, but so you have control over this. And once you, so you, you got up and uh, you came back and laid back down and then you can go back in. So what happens when you're out of body? Like, are you saying you see yourself laying in bed? Like, what are you doing? That has happened. And that was quite the epiphany for me. By the way, I want to say when you hit the snooze alarm is the best time to have out-of-body experiences because you're not quite asleep. You're mm-hmm. in, your, your body's asleep, but your mind is awake and you're not quite asleep. And I've had some of the best when I used to wake to an alarm in those snoozes in 10 minutes. You can do a lot in 10 minutes yeah. in out-of-body experience. Uh, so, so what happens is I'll get in that state of, you know, that in-between state where you feel you don't actually feel you're not asleep, but you're still awake. Your mind is still, it's called the hypnagogic state or the alpha state moving into theta. Your brain waves are in that, um, are just calming down, but you're not in deep sleep. So you have those, you remember your dreams better because you're not completely in deep sleep. And so I have, I've trained myself to recognize that state. It's also called the liminal state, that state where I know that I'm phasing out of my body. My consciousness is phasing out, moving into a higher frequency, I guess you would call it. Mm -hmm. And so I just sit up or... I find, or all of a sudden I wake up. If I do fall asleep, I wake up and I'm jumping up and down on the bed mm-hmm. in my <laughs> in my second body. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm swinging. I've done, woke up where I'm swinging on a swing above my bed. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm out of my body. And I take off. Because if you stay around your body too long, the, uh, the magnetic pull will bring you back in. But I did have um, one experience where I did, turn around and look at look to see my body or just I had an intuition to turn around and look at my bed and I was sleeping alone at the time and I saw my body in the bed although I didn't know it was my body <laughs> I was um, I saw the, the blankets up I saw blind hair and I'm looking at and I'm thinking who is that in my bed I don't know who's in my bed and I realized oh that's my body and it was such a light bulb moment for me. I was a, it was actually an epiphany for me. 
I realized that is not me. This light, light is me. That's not me. So kind of like your soul was mm-hmm. looking at your body. Mm-hmm. My consciousness yeah, is looking at Yeah, that's gotta be insane because we never get to see ourselves because no. we're always inside. Like unless you're looking in a mirror, but that's not really the same thing. So did it freak you out? No, no, it was... Um, it was huge for me. Huh. I realized that's not me. This is me. It, it didn't freak me out at all. I'd already had my near-death experiences. So I'm like, okay. Well, now, I mean, it was, uh, to be honest with you, when I looked at myself, and this was like 18, 19 years ago, I thought, that just looks like a bag. That's just a bag of bones. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the body is an amazing thing, it's like, this is me yeah. right here. It's just the vessel, right? Right. Yeah. Just a vehicle. Totally. So what happened with the near-death experience? Well, I had one in 2001. And then after I had that one, I remembered one in when I was nine, which I had. I didn't remember a lot of my childhood. And we can talk about why. Yeah, if, if you, you want can elaborate later. on that. Yeah, if yeah, you want okay. to, go for it. And I didn't remember it until I had my near-death experience in 2001. And all these things were happening after my stepfather died. Mm-hmm. So it's not unusual for someone to lose someone close and, and things start happening where they, their spiritual progress just, the door opens wide. So in 2001, June 11th, I lived in San Antonio, Texas at the time. And uh, my girlfriends and I were going tubing down the Guadalupe River for a friend's birthday, one of the girlfriends' birthday. There was five of us. And we had a great day, drinking beer, having a lot of fun, right? It was really hot, I remember too, and it was Texas. And, and so we jump on, We the day's over, we get on the shuttle bus to go back to our cars. The outrigger picked us up in one of those little, but, but what it was was a little school bus, the little school buses they use. Short bus. Yeah, yeah. the short bus. Yeah. And so... We got on, we started, I was the first one in line of my girlfriends and we started, I started to climb on and I saw the bus was full. And so, something told me, huh, oh, this is weird. Maybe I shouldn't get on. But they were like, come on, come on. You can stand. We got lots of room. We got lots of room. So we piled on and we stood in the aisleway and I was up against the back door and the bus was pulling a, um, a trailer that had all of our ice chests and all the inner tubes and everything. And as the bus driver's driving down the road, he's switching gears, you know, it's it's a really old bus. And uh, the back door fly, flies open and I fall out as he's driving down the road. Yeah. And what I and I remember that part of it completely is um, I fall out and I hit my back on the trailer hitch. I bounce off the trailer hitch, bounce under the trailer, bounce onto my back under the trailer, bounce from on my back to my side, and the trailer runs over my head. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's when I popped out of my body, when it, when the trailer ran over my head. Yeah. And I remember thinking, and I saw this big bus coming toward me. I remember thinking, oh, because I'm up here, just like an out-of-body experience. An out-of-body experience is just like a near-death experience, except it's not caused by trauma. It's conscious. You you know how to control it. Sure. And uh, I'm looking down and seeing this big bus coming, thinking, I hope that bus doesn't run over my body. That would really make a mess. And I'm also thinking that this is really going to ruin my day for my friends. It wasn't a big deal to me because hmm. we've done it so many times. I'm thinking, oh, here, okay, all right. I'm done. <laughs> this is really going to ruin the day for my friends. Here I go. We had such a good day, and here I go and die on them. You were less concerned about being dead than how it would affect your friends. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Hmm. yeah. So what did you see? Did you see, like, your head open? And Mm-mm. what was the scene as you were standing there? The scene was the, the bus was uh, driving away and then stopped, and I saw the other cars coming. And they stopped. Thank goodness the bus didn't run over my body. <laughs> that would have been a lot harder to repair. And um, and then I saw them, my friends jumping off of the bus. And there was chaos. And I actually jump up. And 
run to the side. I get up and run to the side of the road. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to watch this anymore. And I turn around. Something tells me to turn around. You as the soul, as the light, you turned around. Yes. Yeah. And I'm watching this scene. For some reason, I'm watching this. And I turn around and my dad is back there. He goes, you can't stay here. Hmm. And I'm like, but I want to. I want to stay here. And when he, he goes, no, it's not your time. And as soon as he, and this just happens in a couple, probably a couple seconds. I don't know. I know that it happened there for a long time. And I look past him and I see this tunnel as I'm walking down this, or this tunnel, it feels like I'm moving down the tunnel. And I see people in it and they're looking at me. They're not smiling, like, you know, happy to see you. They're more like mm, deadpan, kind of like it's, I don't get really any intuition from them, but I recognize them as family, ancestors. And who they, were, I, they were all dead. Yes. Okay. Who I knew here. Yeah. yeah. My mother was still alive here. Who I, I recognize them as ancestors here, and I recognize them as ancestors that I didn't know here. And I'm feeling like, okay, I, <laughs> it doesn't feel like a big warm welcome, homecoming. And then I see this sun like bright light further down, huge, bright, golden, white sun. And I see a being walk out of it. And I recognize him as he moves closer as Jesus, who I call Yeshua. Yeah. Were you religious at that point? Not at all. I was actually actually the opposite. What did he look like? He looked, he well, he's light. He was light, but he's wearing a robe. He had a sash around it. His eyes is what I remember the most. They were just the most bright, sparkling blue. And he had this beautiful smile that I can't even describe. Mm-hmm. He was um, who I saw. I believe he appears on in how we feel comfortable. He was light-skinned. He had dark hair. He had a short beard. But it was more of his light that I saw. And I flew to him. This was just something he was projecting toward me and I recognized him I knew who he was I just flew (laughs) and he embraced me and he told me it wasn't my time that I had to go back and I wasn't happy with that I said no I want to stay with you because what did it feel like did it just feel like you were whole like you were you were there like mm-hmm. why would you what why why would you come back here if you you could if you could be in that perfect place right yeah right yeah good question yeah well he told me why but um and you're right as I was he was embracing me I felt everything that I would that I would have been worried about or I was worried about in my life my mom I was worried about my mom and that was those were some thoughts that went through my mind too is my mom because I kind of took care of my mom. And, and that's what my dad told me, too. I forgot to mention that, that, um, that my mom needed me. And uh, she died a couple years later. But uh, that, um, you know, that anything I was worried about just disappeared. Just being in his embrace and being in his light in, with him, with him there. And I remember his laughter the most, too, because when I said, I don't want to, he, he chuckled. He laughed. He laughed. <laughs> he said, you don't have time to go back. And I got this, what he said was there's, you still have a lot of work to do. And I was just starting to wake up spiritually. So I didn't know what he was talking about (laughs) at the time. (laughs) It's a pretty crazy scenario to be in. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So what he did was he, 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 he asked me if I wanted to, um, if you wanted to go on, a, if I wanted to go on a journey with him, and I said yes, and so he took my hand, and and uh, it, you know, like I said, time there isn't very different than here, and so he took my hand, and as soon as he took my hand, we were flying. I don't even know if we were flying, just zooming through the mm-hmm. universe. Okay. I can't say where or how. I just I just remember these, you know, these lights going by. 
and then we're up, and then we're above a uh, a planet, another planet, so a water planet, and I, I recognize it as a water planet. I get emotional when I talk about these, <laughs> and uh, and when he takes me down first before that, I realize that I can connect. I am connecting to the body of the planet itself, the plant, like Mother Earth, the spirit of the planet. I mean, from that point of view where I am, I'm able to connect to the planet. And she, I felt she has so much love for everyone and every being on her body. So I have that awareness of who she is as a sentient being, the planet herself. So did you view Jesus as separate from Mother Earth? Or was it that, was he like, I am the Earth? I am, it's all the same thing. Like, what was he trying to say? Well, no, he, um, we were, we were view, he, what I was feeling was, he wasn't the planet. He was, what I was getting, the information was that the planet is sentient, and I can connect to the planet. Okay. And then we went down further and further, dropped down in frequency further and further to where I could go from being a mer person, where I have a family, because that's where he took me as well. And we entered the, the water, the oceans. I could go to being just fr from a mer being all the way down to amoeba, in my consciousness all the way back to being the planet. Mm -hmm. So what he was showing me was, was I had the ability here as well as anywhere to move my consciousness hmm. and experience all that. And I could go there anytime I wanted. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. And this is all in the span of maybe a couple minutes or something. Mm -hmm. And so... What, what happened after that? I mean, before you came back into your body? All I remember is going in, and I don't remember all of it. And my memory came in in uh, steps as well. It was way too much for me to remember all at once. Oh, my God. I'm surprised you remember all this stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I'm sure it was, like, unbelievable, but... Um... Well, more comes to me still. It's yeah. still. Yeah. So I just remember going into the ocean, going into the ocean and meeting my family, which is incredibly emotional for me at the yeah. time and um still and when afterwards uh, i would in my meditations i was able to go back there because he told me i could go visit there it just got so emotional they had to keep bringing me back <laughs> <laughs> because i wanted to stay and they, they had to keep bringing me back so, <laughs> wow yeah so afterwards i i don't remember coming back to the earth I just remember being back in my body. And then I'm actually on the ground at that point. So I remember jumping up in my body, but I was watching it before that. So like you were ahead in time. Right. Isn't that weird? Whoa. I know. That one's hard. It, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you like went in the future, did all this stuff and then came back. Yeah. You appear in your body and then you got up in real life. In in this life. In yes. this life. In this frequency. <laughs> and ran away. And ran to the side of the road. It wasn't weren't you bleeding and messed up? My uh, my ear there was this ear, my left ear, the tire ran over, um, was torn apart, so they had to glue my ear back together. Oh my god. My head was pretty much crushed, but I didn't have a concussion. Although, uh, they in the hospital, they told me I had tire tracks on my head. They joked with me and told me, because I have a scar on the on the right side of my head, and I had a lot of road rash, a lot of road rash oh, on yeah. my body, because we were wearing our shorts and stuff, you know. And um, uh, But no broken bones, just muscle and tendon damage, which I have to maintain in my back. Mm -hmm. I have to, you know, keep up with that. But it was... Um, what did your friends say? Were they freaking out? Mm -hmm. They thought you were dead, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> wow. 
Yeah. But after, but listen to this, after that, I remembered having a near-death experience when I was nine. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and this was as I was remembering a lot of this and other things. And so during that memory, um, I ha- it, it, and this is something I didn't remember. I was starting remembering my childhood and filling in gaps, lots and like a whole, whole big gap of childhood uh, of my childhood. Um, I uh, had family member that was abusing me, and we lived at my my sister and I lived at my grandmother. Uh, my parents were divorced, and my mother uh, lived in Texas. She this is when I lived in Oregon, by mm-hmm. the way. It was in Mount Angel, and. Uh, um, my um, grandmother took care of us. My dad, um, my biological dad, remarried and was living. We weren't living with him at the time. And so a, a family member, and it wasn't my dad or anything like that, it was um, a family member that was abusing me on a regular basis that would come around. And uh, and so I, we were out in the backyard, and he was chasing me and trying to um, get me, and, I, and I'm... I'm trying to get away from him, crawling on the ground, trying to get away from him. And he, and he I, I just remember him pulling my legs and then punching me really, really hard, beating me really, really hard. And he punched me right here in the ribs, right, right there. And, and I lost my breath and I basically, he killed me and I popped down on my body again. And I see my body laying there. And I know that I, at nine years old, I know that I, I've died and this time, I'm looking down, and I and I feel the impression of someone behind me. I turn around, and it's Jesus. This is the first time, <laughs> but I didn't remember him until I had the first experience with him, or that 2001 experience. And and I turn around to face him, and it it was a bit different this time. It wasn't such a big. I mean, I, I oh, I forgot to mention. When I popped out of my body, excuse me, I felt this immense peace that I didn't feel any more pain because I felt this intense, awful pain for just a second. I had no pain. I had no, um, it was just this immense peace. That's what I felt with Yeshua, with Jesus in 2001. So there was just so much more going on at that point where I was communicating with him, but I was in what um, has been called the void. I was in this space of, it wasn't light. It was um, darkness, but it wasn't dark. It's hard to describe. Mm -hmm. And I've heard people describe it. I actually interviewed a gal on my YouTube uh, channel recently that uh, described it perfectly. And she likes to call it the vast because it's, I didn't know how to describe it. It's everything and nothing at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. So I felt that immense peace, and that's when um, when I felt this presence, and I realized and turned around and realized it was Jesus, and he's kneeling in front of me, and we're just, I don't remember being anything that we're standing on or anything. He's kneeling in front of me, and he tells me, uh, you don't have to go back. He says, my, calls me my child. You don't have to go back. You've suffered enough. And I tell him, but I want to. I haven't, I, ha- I have too much to do. I was aware <laughs> then he told you when you were nine you didn't have to go back but then he told you when you in 2001 that you did have to go back huh okay yeah so the information i got was that at the age of nine i could reincarnate and come back to be here and do my work here not just for the people i work with but for myself to clear all the stuff that i needed to clear for this soul and help help the planet or help humanity as much as we can. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of us are here, as you know. You're here during this time mm-hmm. that's never happened before. And so I, if I had died, actually died when I was nine, I had time to reincarnate and come back um, and wake up earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, wake up, I woke up in my 40s. But in 2001, I didn't have time to reincarnate and come back and do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why he said, uh, no, you really need to go back. But you had no recollection of 
that experience or any of the abuse until after 2001, right? your, your brain just repressed it. Right. I had suppressed it, but I felt something in myself. I would have dreams that something happened, but I didn't know what or who. I just, I didn't know. Yeah, that stuff is so scary. And I hear it more and more and more that people have, your brain doesn't want to deal with certain things. And so mm -hmm. rather than like think about it and process it, it's just like, let's just erase it. It didn't happen, but then like you still carry it with you. It's right. going to come out at some point. Well, let me tell you the kicker. <laughs> As these memories started coming and I was, um, they started coming up to the surface. I mean, I could feel the pain. I could smell the vomit as I was processing them. My, my consciousness was, my subconscious was allowing my conscious mind to process them during my meditations with Yeshua right there, Jesus right there with me the whole time, helping me. I saw during these meditations and remembered actually extraterrestrials helping me out of these situations or I would have been dying. He was trying to kill me, basically. He would have kept killing me. He, Th this family member. Mm -hmm. So what are you saying happened? Some some otherworldly thing helped you get away from this person? Three extraterrestrials, Grace, helped me. Uh, during these situations, uh, they, they took me and they healed my body. How did this happen? Well, it happened more than once where, and what I was reliving, because it's more like a reliving of, without the intensity of being there. I mean, it's still intense, but not the complete intensity. Where um, I'm young. This was on, I remember one very vivid, we're on a camping trip with my family and he's there and and he's um, doing, you know, abusing me. And, and I see this, a bright flash of light and these three beings show up. What I do is, I'm interrupting myself, but what, what when I'm being abused, I go catatonic. Okay? I end up going into a coma type of thing. So they show up and I see him. There's this little shimmery thing or I don't, he just starts to vibrate and then he's paralyzed and he can't, and he doesn't move. And I see this from out here rather than in my body. I'm watching it from a uh, second um, value, or, or, um, you know, up here, out mm -hmm. of body. Sure. Yeah, that's where I'm watching it. I'm watching this whole scene. And, uh, and so they take me and they walk me to this little ship and they repair my body with, with this wand. And I remember the smell of it. There was one of the, of the extraterrestrials that's, I felt female and she, I felt very close to her. And when I talk about them or think about them, I do feel, I still feel their love for me and a connection to them. But she, they would heal my body and she would sit there with me and she'd stroke my hair. And there was this wand, I'm gonna say it's, was that about a foot and a half long, something like that is what I remember. And it smelled, and it could be a screen smell, but it smells like, it smelled like lilacs to me. It Something was, pleasant. Mm -hmm, yeah. yeah. And it was purple. And so they wave that over my body and heal my body. And then um, I'm back. Did you ever talk to this person? No. No. He was at my dad's funeral. And I, when the uh, memories were coming up, my biological dad, not my stepdad, my biological dad, and I did have visions that he would be there and it would come up. Um, but... Well, but let me tell you something that's really, really cool about the whole thing, okay? During my meditations, uh, Yeshua kept telling me I need to work on um, forgiveness. Not that I was angry or anything, but um, obviously that's something that needs to be worked on. So he gave me a meditation for it, and uh, and it didn't take. I'm, I'm going to say after five or I don't know how many, but a few meditations, I real I realized that there was nothing to forgive. He and I made this agreement. You as a person? Yes, because we we were 
experiencing a lot of past lives together. Because I was also, <laughs> I was also remembering all my past lives. Not all, I don't know all, but all the ones that needed to be healed. I was remembering those. Jesus was working with me to remember my past lives and heal the trauma. So I remember that he and I had chosen, I know I'm getting way off topic here, but it's kind of together. (laughs) I saw and experienced a lifetime where he and my mother and I were together in a lifetime way back when. And my mother was a regent of some Italian community and uh, I wasn't married. And we had, we had a lifetime where we, um, we chose to throw Christians to the lions kind of thing okay. during those barbaric times. And we were responsible for that. Mm-hmm. So in order to to complete that karmic loop, we chose for for the the um, the relative in this life to uh, close that loop for me. And what he did was we ended up um, having an arranged marriage together. And he wasn't a nice person. So he ended up killing me and my mother so he could be the the king um, mm-hmm. or the, you know, the alpha, <laughs> throwing us to the lions. Yeah. Okay. So that was the karmic loop was completed in that lifetime. We come here to experience. That was something I guess we wanted to experience. We ex- obviously wanted to experience. So, okay, well, we did that. Now let's move on to something else and maybe something a lot better. So, um what happened though is we I got stuck in that experience, in the trauma of it, and I was not able to bring that experience into my soul memory, into the the wholeness, the, the light. It's, I hadn't really heard or um, traveled down the path of past lives and 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 that stuff until I met Andrea. And she kind of opened my eyes on that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure where I'm at with it, but I think it's fascinating because I don't understand why if the theory that you die and you become something else and she believes that you choose your parents and everything is it, when, when you when you die and you go back up, it's a conscious decision of where you're going to go next so that you can learn something. And it's so painful to think that you could go up and say, I'm going to become this little girl and this person that I care about is going to punch me in the stomach until I almost die. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what you can learn from that. I mean, that's affected your life in a number of ways. It seems so painful to allow something like that to happen. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what I learned. Okay. Okay. Hopefully it'll make a little bit of sense because I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So I realized that because I hadn't retrieved that part of myself in that lifetime and brought it into the whole, because whole, we're here to, we're, and what I've learned is that we are God expressing source, whatever you want to call the infinite intelligence through these physical bodies we're expressing and we're, and we're here to experience the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever, all of it. So I hadn't brought that experience into the whole. It was still scattered, fragmented. So what Yeshua taught me was to bring those in. So what happened was I created, we created, he agreed with me in other lifetimes to experience the same type of um, ending. I need to get a Kleenex, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I don't have any out here. That's all right. I brought my own. So what he did was he he helped me understand that when we bring these experiences into the whole, we don't have to repeat them anymore because we repeat them. We decide it's kind of like repeating first or second grade, you know, a grade that we fail. (laughs) Okay. I didn't bring that in. So let me try something else to hopefully where I have the awareness to where I can bring that into the light, bring that into the whole experience. And it's not fragmented. It's called soul retrieval. Mm -hmm. 
So I saw all these lifetimes. He had um, he was responsible for burning me at the stake as a witch once, you know, and I saw that um, very clearly. So there was lifetime after lifetime up until this lifetime. So um, I realized, wait a minute, he loves me more than I could even imagine because he agreed to, I got the better end of the deal. He agreed to lower his frequency so much in lifetime after lifetime after lifetime to be this really awful person. And that's, you know, so he has, so it was the agreement, the contract that we were able to break together because I was able to heal it and forgive it. And I realized there's nothing to forgive because now he's released from that contract between us and he mm. can move on to raising his frequency and moving his um, progress up because he's not a happy person at all. I know some about his um, family and everything, and but I realized I'm a lot better off than he is. It's a very positive way of looking at it, for sure. So what do you think happens then? You just keep fulfilling these shitty contracts until eventually everything is just perfect and then it's just like utopia? What? Where do we get? And then we, we go? go. And then we start over. And we start over? <laughs> I don't know. I wish I had those answers. I just know that if we have traumas and we have blocks, because this is part of the work I do, a big part of the work I do, if we have blocks and trauma or um, areas in our life that we can't get past, it's because... We have um, experiences in our past lives that have contributed to, that we've brought forward because we haven't healed them at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's brutal. So you didn't believe in, in Jesus, Yahshua? I believed him. I just didn't believe that he was what the Bible taught or what the Catholic Church taught, that he's on this pedestal and we can't reach him. We have to talk to a priest in order to get to him and, and that God was all judged. It was, you know, that we should fear God. I knew there was some powerful, I knew there was a God or some form of God. And I knew that there was probably some pretty powerful beings that are watching out for me or I should have died a long time ago before that. Uh, so how did how did your life change after you fell out of the back of the short bus and had your head run over? <laughs> that's, that's insane. Well, what what happened after that? Did you just like become a monk? Like did everything change or did it was like gradual what happened? Um well, I, I could have become a monk because <laughs> all I want to do is meditate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I, I told people I could sit on a mountaintop and just meditate uh, 24 hours a day, definitely. But, um, well, it, it did change a lot. Uh, I went through a quickening, which I call it a quickening, which um, what I understand is where um, it's a Kundalini awakening, which I didn't know what was happening at the time because this was... 20 years ago and nobody was talking about it. I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. My family didn't understand what was going on. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but did people think you were crazy for saying that stuff? Did you tell people the story? No. No? No. Uh -uh. You kept that in because yeah. you thought they would think you were crazy? I, I thought I was crazy. <laughs> wow. I didn't know what was going on. I was with a partner too and I didn't know what was going on. Wow. Yeah. So what, what happened, what, what allowed you to change or what, how did you change? Um, mm, I mean, did you, well, did you appreciate life more? I, I, I believe I always appreciated life. I'm not sure it was in that way. It was, I was just felt more connected and I understood what I was all about, that I wasn't, um, I mean, I, I didn't have a bad life. Mm-hmm. I had a, a decent job. I worked for an oil company. I always worked in accounting all my life, and now I'm a psychic. Isn't that funny? So <laughs> <laughs> Nice transition. I know, right? Yeah. I just started waking up to who I was. And, um, and I was seeing lifetime after lifetime, all the way back to Atlantis and the Galactic Wars, actually. So I was seeing, 
I saw what what's happening now in our world. I was seeing that 20 years ago hmm. in my I, I in my meditations in in my everyday world. I was seeing um, on the walls. I, I had a classroom in my room. I had. Um, my uh, partner and I had our bedroom, and then I made the other room into my classroom, my my meditation room. You know, it was my classroom where I could see the beings all around me that were teaching me and helping me remember exactly what this, you know, what humanity is all about and what we're all about, kind of thing. Not that I have <laughs> near all the answers, but it helped me understand. Okay, this so much more than just what we're being told. Mm -hmm. And um, I learned about all that. I also, um, it, but it wasn't fun. I wouldn't say it was fun. It was hard. It was mm -hmm. really hard. Because, um, uh, I mean, I'll admit, I spent a week in the psych ward. Mm -hmm. Because of this event and you didn't trust your brain or something? Because I had one pinky toe in this reality. <laughs> and the rest of me was in meditation in the higher, the other planes. And I found out that the people in the psych ward are the same ones, where I was anyway, okay? It wasn't the heavy duty one, you know? It was just a... Wouldn't that be the worst thing ever if we found out that, air quote, crazy people yeah. were just better in tune with what the reality was? I think it's true. That would be nuts. We ostracize them, put them in straight jackets and padded rooms, and maybe they have the answers. It's That's been crazy. happening, yeah. Sorry, but it's been happening throughout history. What oh. was that like? Being in, the, you were there for a week. It was, it was nice. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back next weekend. It was a vacation. <laughs> as soon as I walked in there, I'm like, oh, this is the ninth dimension. Look at this. These are the, all these people. We were communicating on much higher level uh -huh. between the you know the patients or whatever we were communicating on that level and what we were saying in our uh, was speaking wasn't was uh not what we were um communicating telepathically there were masters in there and <laughs> so it wasn't it, it was fine it was like a uh, a vacation uh, I, at one point the nurse was um wanted to give me some time to tell me something or talk to me. And I was having a telepathic communication with my, because um, I was communicating with galactics or extraterrestrials at the time. And I remembered that I have a husband on the ship. And I said, wait a minute. I can't hear my husband while you're talking to me on the ship. Okay. So can you just wait a minute? <laughs> and she looked at me like, oh, okay. Another, Here's your pills. Another one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I fought them to give me pills because I thought I was going to lose my connection. Because that was the only thing that was keeping me sane, <laughs> I guess you could say. But I needed to find balance. What happened was I didn't have balance. And I realized that all that happened for a reason. And uh, um, I made a couple of good friends in there. You know, we didn't keep in contact after. But mm -hmm. uh, um, there was an amazing artist. His name was Garp. Garp, I think, is the name he went by. And he, oh my gosh, the, I have a couple of his drawings that he gave me. He was uh, amazing. So we got to sit. It was like being in kindergarten again. You know, we got to sit and do art. <laughs> they play music or we can dance or whatever. The worst part of it was group, the group um, uh, therapy. Yeah. What happens in group therapy? Mm -mm. Um. It, it, it just, uh, <laughs> the therapist, I felt, and we all felt, uh, didn't know what the heck she was doing, for one thing. Um, I feel bad for her now, but um, she, I, I, when, you know, when you're in those higher frequencies and you see something that isn't, um, how do I put it, that... Uh, it just doesn't jive with mm -hmm. you. Her, 
you know, that frequency of, of her therapy was just really low vibrational where um, it was talking at us, treating us like children, treating us, you know, less than that kind of thing instead mm-hmm. of treating us like intelligent adults. So that was difficult to sit there and not say anything. Yeah, I mean, that's an important position to be in if mm-hmm. you're trying to evaluate and help humans and you suck at your job. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like being a shitty bus driver. Like, Right, yeah. Um, well, isn't the difficult thing about a mental ward or a psychiatric hospital where you can't get out on your own volition or your own accord or whatever? Like, they have to discharge you, right? Mm-hmm. So isn't that... Like, how did you achieve that in a week? Because I was, I came, were, I came down to reality. <laughs> All right. I, I balanced out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you went to them and you said, hey, I'm cool. Let me go. And they're like, okay. No. Um, you have a one-on-one, I think, every couple of days. I mean, this is 20 years ago, but um, every couple of days you have a one-on-one with this, this psychiatrist who, who I um, felt she knew better than the therapists about things, but um, so we have a one-on-one, and they, then they make that decision. And she made that decision after a week. So this was shortly after the accident. Uh, it was twenty years ago. Yeah, it was. Um, no, it was about eighteen years ago. Yeah. So it was right after my mom passed. She passed in two thousand three. So that'd be about nineteen. Yeah. 19 years ago. It's a lot of trauma in a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were an accountant for an oil firm, and then this happened, and you kept investigating this route, and then that allowed you to become what you are now, which, I mean, what would sleep therapist i don't even know what to say what, what what do you consider yourself now um the only thing i can think of is like i mean what i use is psychic medium okay. i also i'm also a hypnotherapist and i specialize in past life therapy because okay. i see how how it helps people i've been doing it for 15 years okay. yeah that's and, such uh, a yeah. cool transition yeah so then people that want to work with you you don't have to give like specific details but they come in they know something needs addressed and they ask you to help them go to sleep and have an out-of-body experience so that they can try to figure out what that thing is is that the deal no Mm -mm. okay no i don't use out-of-body experiences in my therapy or in my not therapy but in my work um uh we have a counseling session spiritual counseling session okay unless there's hypnosis involved but um but usually it's a it's an intuitive counseling session where I'm able to tap into their records. They sit with me. I'm able to see their past lives and bring forward any kind of um, trauma that has not been uh, brought into the whole that's fragmented. I'm able to see them on an energetic level. And so we work together that way. And um, I also am able to connect to um, departed loved ones because my mom started talking to me after she passed. She actually um, uh, helped me tremendously after she passed. Yeah. In what realm? In the sleep realm? I, um, no, in this kind of realm. I started using a spirit board because when she was alive, she wanted to talk to my stepdad on um, on a Ouija board. Her, her friend was a psychic, so she said, why don't you get a Ouija board? My dad left a message, a voice message on her answering phone, answering machine. Sorry. Remember when we used to have answering machines way back when? You're too young. No, I remember. I remember. (laughs) So he left a message on her answering machine. So uh, she's like, well, I want to... She was very open, but she wasn't... um, She had her stuff. She wasn't spiritually aware. She didn't have enough time here. She was um, sick, ill. So she wanted to communicate with dad. So we got a Ouija board. And we uh, started talking on the Ouija board. And spirit boards get a bad rap. They're just another tool to communicate with spirit. And they should not be sold as toys, for one thing. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people will dismiss them 
And you're saying that they can be accurate? They, well, as long as you don't buy them from Target? <laughs> well, it doesn't matter where you buy it. It just matters what you use it, how you use it, yeah. and that you know what you're doing. Yeah. I wouldn't suggest children use it. Yeah. For gosh sakes. Yeah. You know, because you're opening a door to spirit. So you need to know what you're doing. So we communicated, and it just so happened that. When I had my hands on the the planchette that moves around the board, it was moving like crazy, and we were communi- And I knew we were communicating with Dad because he was answering like only he could answer. Mm-hmm. So when Mom passed, I bought an angel board, spirit board, with a big angel on it. It's similar to a Ouija board. Same thing. It's just a beautiful wooden board. We can use this as a spirit board. Okay. Anything that, you know, that you can put energy to into. It's like table tipping and stuff like that, which is a lot of fun, by the way. <laughs> and so I, um, it's a beautiful, big, beautiful board, probably about that big. And it's got the same letters on it and, okay. and you know, beautiful artwork and a big angel. And so I use that and I sat outside in my backyard every day and talked to mom on my spirit board. So what allows anything to happen? I've never used a Ouija board. What allows, you're saying the the person doing the thing has to have some sort of connection. Mm-hmm. Because and, we're, they're, we're channeling, basically. But how, like if I got one out and started using it, would I be able to tell if I had some sort of connection? Well, if it starts moving and yeah. you're not moving it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I suggest always for anyone listening that to, you know, say a pr- prayer of protection and and don't use it by yourself right away cuz I was using it by myself after that or uh, then. Yeah, are you ever worried you're going to like talk to Hitler or something? No. No. Why would it no. Well, I just mean like what if like Mussolini shows up or something? No. no? <laughs> like I don't want to talk to you, dude. Well, then you say I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can feel it. You can feel, you know, if something's negative. Once you start working with spirit, especially, you can feel when something's negative and when something isn't. The only time that I ever felt anything negative is when um, uh, my mom's friend, the psychic, who was having a lot of trouble in her life, ended up um, on the board with us, and and I felt a, a negative spirit come in, and she got off the board right away, and then we cleared the space and didn't didn't allow that spirit but that's the only other time and i've used the spirit board thousands of times yeah it just seems like you're opening up you you have the potential of opening up some shit that you don't want to deal with if you don't know what you're doing yes it's like jumanji you know Mm -hmm. like once you start playing maybe some things are going to happen and you can't control it but you're saying you can shut it down oh yeah 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 that's so weird like if you you think you're going to like try to talk to people when you're dead? Get in through the Ouija board? Well, sure. <laughs> Why not? I still got things to say. Yeah. Well, well, listen to this. Guess who else I started talking to on the Ouija board? Or not the Ouija board, but the spirit board. Uh-huh. Jesus. Yeah. Yeshua. Well, he's, yeah. he's had a couple conversations with you. Yeah. So um, the next time it happens, you think you're going to be ready? What happens? The big, the big one. The, the big one. The permanent out of body experience. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I talk to him all the time. It just seems so. It's so interesting that you could get there, and then you could be like, "I'm ready," and then they're like, "No, no, you're not," and you're like, "But this is so much better." Yeah. Why do I want to be a regular person? Because being a regular person is cool, but I don't know. That thing that we don't know what it is, it could be anything. That's what's so enticing about it. Well, we've we've done this many, many times. Mm-hmm. So it's not anything new for us to go home. Yeah, but you know what's weird is that we have a, a way better understanding of science and reproduction and bodies and anatomy like we understand so much more about everything we know how to cure aids Mm -hmm. like uh we know how to take a heart out of a pig and put it in a human and keep them like that's insane so if you go back 500 years they were like you got a cold and they would cut your arm open and let the blood out that'll fix you right like our understanding of 
what this is is so much better, but there's still stuff that we can't even grasp. Yeah. Right. But that's part of the human's evolution. That's what makes it so much fun. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like reading a book and then jumping to the end. Yeah. It's the book. <laughs> that's the important part. It's true. I mean, yeah. that's why sometimes, sometimes you like, you plan a vacation to Hawaii and it's going to be so cool. And you pick out the hotel and you look at the beaches and think about the t-shirts you're going to buy. And, and then you go and you do it and you're like, man, it was so much cooler when I was planning it. <laughs> you know, it's not about the destination. It's more about the journey right. of getting there. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good spot to end it. So thank you very much. That was so cool. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. That. Yeah. I hope it was interesting. It was fascinating. <laughs>